Welcome to season three of the Minority League, a podcast about hockey and the people who make it happen. From minorities making history to those who've built and developed the game. We're on and off the ice with players and coaches and people behind the scenes. And we're sharing our love of the game with you. I'm Anar Virji, a journalist and writer from Washington, D.C. And I'm Manashi Mukherjee, a TV executive living in Miami. And, and this, this is, is the Minority, Minority League. League. So welcome back. This is episode two, season three. I'm so excited we made it to season three. Um, We have some really great guests lined up for you this season. Um, But before we get started, I want to talk about um, a couple of things that happened over the last few weeks. Um, Anar and I both went to games. I went to the Panthers Lightning game. And I think, Anar, you went to the Penn's Cap regular season game, right? Yeah, it was the um, Capital season opener game. And what team won, Anar? <laughs> well, <laughs> since you asked, the Penguins won, and it was a shutout. How exciting. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, well, tell me about the Panthers game. Okay, so the Panthers game. So I'm in South Florida now, y'all. I am not, uh, I am no longer going to MSG or the island or New Jersey Um, which actually I'm really happy about all three of those things. But anyway, (laughs) I did notice some interesting things at the Panthers game in our, um, and I, and we talked about this a little bit, but I just want to share with our listeners. Um, They had, you know, really, they were playing a lot of contemporary music. Like there was no Neil Diamond going on. It was actually like a lot of cool hip hop and um, just more upbeat, like more modern type music at the game, which I thought was really interesting because I felt like up north in the northeast anyway, you hear a lot of Sweet Caroline and things like that. that I <laughs> they feel played like... that they played that at the cap season opener. <laughs> yeah. And I just feel like people younger than us don't know that song necessarily. I mean, I'm not like dogging on Neil Diamond. He's amazing and a legend and all of that. But it was kind of nice to hear, you know, some just more modern hip hop and, you know, things that I think will entice younger people to actually come to the games and want to be a part of it. Um, so aside from the music, um, the Panthers arena is actually really nice. It's fairly new. I think I have to look that up. I don't know. Um, they had a bunch of like games where they put people out on the ice and I like couldn't make heads or tails of the game itself. But people seemed really happy about it. And like there were a ton of people of color, um, both participating in the games and in the crowd. It was like a super mixed crowd. I thought that was really interesting. I was not the only chip in the cookie. (laughs) And um, and they had like really good food options, you know, so, you know, a lot of a lot of check marks for South Florida. (laughs) Now, I got to say, like, this is a bit different from the Caps uh, season opener, because um, first of all, like the food options at the Caps arena is like, they're okay. Um, They're not amazing. There is one amazing dish that they sell there which is korean tater tots um which i love get it at most caps games um um wait before you move on i just have to say you have never shared this uh dish with me we've been to several games at the caps arena so you're holding next, out on me anar we gotta do this I, next time next time you come to a caps game that'll be the first thing we do um and then 
Um, the crowd at Caps Arena is usually not that diverse, and um, they've changed security to get into the Caps game. I don't know if it was just for the opener, but there were huge lines like that wound around the block to get in, and I was walking um, to get in line, and I noticed that there were very, very few minorities in the line, which kind of is like, okay, that's why we have this podcast. <laughs> we want to talk about why that is, and and hopefully change it a little like it's nice to see other minorities out there so another thing I wanted to talk about um you were just talking about the crowd in DC and I talked about the mixed crowd in Florida um but we both ran into some really cool people at our games um Anar tell me if tell me who you met yeah, I saw um, Alexandria Briggs-Blake from the Tucker Road Ducks, and I also ran into coaches Hank Lee and Neil Henderson from the Fort DuPont Cannons, and they've all been guests on our previous seasons, and it just brought me such joy to see them, and they're all huge Caps fans, so there was like a tiny bit of tension <laughs> between all of us because I'm there in all my Penguins gear, but um, it all worked out, and it was just, yeah, such a treat to be able to see them and see some hockey with them. Um, yeah, it's so great that we get to meet all these cool people and, you know, and now have them in our social circle, which I love. I love that you got to see all those people at your game. And I also met someone cool at the game that I went to. Um, if you remember season two, last episode, I we interviewed um, the goaltending coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I got to meet Franz Jean in person um, after the Lightning Panthers game in Sunrise and at the Panthers arena. So it was really great. He's just a delightful person, has such good energy. And it was just so nice to see him and catch up in person and put a face with a name. Okay. It's always great talking to coaches. And this episode, we have something new. Another coach who is our first guest from outside of the US and Canada, German Marat Pak. He lives in Bad Nauheim. Murat and his family moved there from Turkey when he was a year old, and that small town is where he learned to play hockey. We spoke with him about his experience playing in Europe. So I grew up in, in this town here, and this is also the club um, where I started playing hockey. I played here in, in every team, in every team the club has, also up to the, to the pro team. Right now I'm in the, in the Legends team, where the old guys are, and um, I, I enjoy that once a week still, but as a coach, I started also my coaching career. I started in Bad Nauheim uh, in my home club. Um, last year, I, I signed to the Frankfurt Lions, which is the, the DL club, and I am the head coach of the under 11 right now. Um, we have 46 kids in our team, which is pretty much, and it's a really, real international club. Like these kids are from, they're from everywhere because Frankfurt is a very, very international city and we have all kinds of, all kinds of nationalities in, uh, in the club, which is great, but it also brings some problems with you. So the, one of the problems I had to deal with, um, that I always had a, a translator with me in the, in the locker room for, because we had a group of kids, um, they came from the Ukraine. Uh, they they fled from the war, um, and these kids they they didn't speak any German. So what we did we had a we had a translator who was who would, he, he couldn't speak German of course, but he could speak uh, English. And so 
I'm in the in the locker room. I'm talking German, English, and then it's translated to to Ukrainian or Russian. So this is the situation right now. All right, this is unrelated, but I just I would like to know more about the Ukrainian kids. How are they doing now that they're in a different situation? Are they enjoying hockey? Is it like have you noticed that it's been good for their development? Of course, uh, in the beginning when I met them, it was uh, it was a hard situation for for everybody. Of course, when the when the war started, and uh, these kids they they changed a lot during during the season. Um, I I like them a lot. They're they're great kids. And um, you mentioned that it's a like there are a lot of different um, kids on the team, like different nationalities in addition to Ukrainian kids who came over in the past year um like what yeah what other uh kids are on the team oh we have uh we have Czech we have Russian we have uh we also have uh from uh from like African kids we have from Turkey we have like it's all the from everywhere in the world um most of the kids, uh, the parents have been working here in Germany or have been here for a long time. Um, so they're, they're used to the language. They know the language. Some of them don't. Some are, some are American. Some are, they only speak English. Um, we also have kids from, from uh, Denmark or from Sweden. So it's, it's a really international, it's a real international mix right now. And uh, on, the, on the ice, the language is like, it's, it's not, the, not the biggest problem. Not really. um, I find that really fascinating because I, I think about that often, like in terms of the NHL and like pro leagues, you have players who are coming from all over, but they have to learn really quickly how to communicate with each other, especially like when they get traded or when they're drafted into new mm-hmm. teams. And um, so it's interesting to hear about that sort of um, international makeup on a team. That's actually something that we haven't like we've interviewed people on um, who coach youth hockey teams in the U.S., Um and that's not something that we've run across yet in the U.S. That sort of really international makeup. It's that that was the the thing which which fascinated me most when I when I came to the club of the Frankfurt Lions. Like it's a very very international club. Like uh, we also have oh I forgot a lot of Asian Asian of course Asian um, ethnicities if you call it like that. Um, I'm sorry, my English is, is it's not my, my mother language, it's not my first language. So I'm I'm trying to find to, to find the words sometimes. No, it's all um, good. Your English is, is very good actually. It's perfect. Um, no problem. <laughs> um yes, and, and this is uh, the the point is the, the parents sometimes they don't speak any German. So um that leads to like you know, in, in in Germany, the clubs they're they're different. They're very they're big clubs. They they are not allowed to to earn money. It's uh, it's more than a like a social organization, which uh, also is very professional. Um, they also lead that pro- organization very professional, but uh, it's it's more like a very complicated uh, building where you have to find every room. You have to know who is. Uh, who is responsible for for uh, any kind of thing, and uh, these uh, these can lead to to trouble or to problems with the parents because when they when they when they come to the club, they don't know anybody. They don't know know the, uh, who is responsible for the equipment. Where can they buy their equipment? Uh, who is uh, who is the person they have to talk to if they if they want something? Uh, maybe a letter for the school so the kid can leave school early to go on a tournament. 
or things like this. So it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty uh, subtract. How do the kids? Um, you know, you have such an international mix. How do they get involved with uh, hockey in the first place? Like, how do they? You know, like an African kid. That's not a sport that he grew up or she grew up watching um, in their native country, and they come to Germany, and then you know, how do they get exposed to that? Like. I can I can tell you how I got to hockey. Um, I was playing soccer or football, footy, how we call that, uh, soccer in Germany. And um, I came home like with my knees were open, and I had uh, my my mom was angry with me because uh, they they she thought it was a, a very tough sport and and uh, playing soccer. <laughs> and uh, then she took me one day to the ice rink in our hometown. And um, there she could see all the kids playing on the ice and with the big equipment, with the big helmet on. And uh, so she thought, oh, this is a very safe sport. This is the right thing for you. <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> One thing that was really surprising to me was that Murat's club has a lot of international players. Uh, it was really interesting to me to hear about the blending of all the backgrounds and the commonality being that they don't have the knowledge of hockey gear or systems that other people would have. Yeah. And sometimes they don't necessarily know a lot of German. And because of that, Morat sometimes brings in translators. But he also said that on the ice, language isn't the biggest issue for players. And that sometimes it's about getting through that language barrier for the parents, too, so that they know more about this hockey culture. How many people live in Bad Nauheim? Because I was sort of it looks sort of small um i didn't look it's, up the population yeah it, i was it, sort it, of surprised that there's a, a skating rink there and that there are teams there um do yeah, you know how many uh, people live in yes there are about thirty thousand people living here and also like in the smaller places around altogether it's, it should be between 30 and fifty thousand people um the ice rink here is something very special um, it was founded by uh, Colonel Knight uh, from the state troops, from the U.S. state troops, when after the war in Germany, um, he had a, a company. Uh, his troops, they were they were the Red Devils. Okay, they were called the Red Devils, and he built the rank. So, uh, the, still, the team is called the Red Devils, the Rote, the Roten Teufel of Bad Nauheim. Okay, so that's how the rank was built. But to be honest. The rink is like it's it's no good anymore. It's a uh, it's a very old rink. It's open on the sides. Uh, we have a we have a roof right now, okay. But the roof is all, always causing problems. It's a very old rink. It's it's still open. We can't run it in summer. We have to wait till till September till we get the ice and and go and skate. So this is the situation that now. In Frankfurt, it's different. We have a. Uh, we have a big uh, complex uh, where there's a, there are three rings actually, um, one inside, one outside, and uh, a, a smaller ring inside too. So there are three rings, and um, they open a little bit earlier, but still the ice in Germany is a is a problem. The ice in Germany, the ice time in Germany is a problem. We only have a few rings which are open in, in summer. So the season sort of goes in when it's colder. Uh, it seems like in the winter, fall and winter. Exactly. Uh, that makes sense. Um, so you gave us a little bit about your background in hockey, you know, and how you got involved in hockey. But tell us a little bit more about like, where, you know, what position did you play? Um, and then how did you how did you transition into coaching as an adult? I was a, I was a defenseman. 
and uh, I played hockey till up to the second German league. And uh, when I, I'm, a, I'm a dentist actually, and um, my my when I when I had my exam, I finished I finished hockey. I, I just quit hockey and I switched to inline hockey. So I played uh, inline hockey for a while, and um, I'm I stopped that. I met my wife. We had children, and I have two girls. And one of them is a figure skater, and the other one is a figure skater and also a hockey player. But she's more 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 in hockey than in than the figure skating, actually. And so when I went first, my wife, they, she was also a hockey player. Actually, she played also hockey. She played in Mannheim. Um, and my wife, she always always took our little daughter to the ice training. And sometimes I, I came there and watched, and I, I, I saw that, and I saw like one guy with like 30 kids on the ice and it was, it was chaos okay so i i asked them hey do you need help uh, should i help i can i can i can give you a hand i can give you help there and uh, these went pretty fast it went up so uh you know, quite short time we had a good structure we had a good team we had a like we went to tournaments all over germany we went to like also in the in the all over Europe, actually, we went with the team, and we had a really good team. We we were winning tournaments. It's it's not only about winning, but we had a, a lot of fun there with the parents sticking together, and um, so that was how everything went. And then last year things changed, and I switched to the to the Frankfurt Lions, and right now I'm there, and I'm I'm really happy to be there, and really proud to be part of the Lion family, and but I'm still supporting my home club. My wife and me, we are still the team doctors of the professionals. Oh, so this is the situation right now. How do you have time to do anything else? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's so much. It's... Yeah, it's, we do, we're doing the, these things together. So there's no, that's the way how it works. So that's it's date night. It's both of our interests. <laughs> we both have the interest in hockey. All, all of our family has the interest in hockey. So it wouldn't work without, without this interest. I mean, you're also involved with the NHL Coaches Association. That's how Menashe got connected to you. Can you talk a bit about how you got involved with them and what um, your what your work with them is like? Um, I met Martin Martin Young. He's the he's the founder of the Hockey is Diversity organization, and I met him on a on a charity game in Bad Nauheim. Um and we got along got along really good, really well right from the start and also my brother uh, he's a little bit younger than me um we met him there and we we stayed we, we stayed connected since then so we went to the charity games of the of the hockey's diversity organization and we were staying in touch and then you know after that friendship sort of developed what was uh, have, what has been your involvement with the nhl coaches association um have you done any of their programs or Yes, I, just I've done new... the, the program. I've done the program uh, um, together. Um, I'm sorry, it was it Lindsay? Yeah, it was Lindsay. Yes. Exactly, Lindsay. She invited me to the program, and that was a really, really, really great thing. I was really the the experience I had there was very, very nice. The the people I met there and the, the lectures we got there was real, really interesting. I'm I'm very thankful for Martin that he took me there and got me involved with the NHL uh, uh, Coaches Association. I met also, I met some old friends there. 
um, I played against or together in, uh, in Germany. One thing that I really appreciated hearing uh, from Murat was that Germany also has a hockey diversity organization, which is really important for making people feel included. I'm pretty disappointed that over the summer, the NHL decided to stop the specialty jerseys and warmups. Um, for me, the Canucks Diwali night was one of the things that drew me into hockey in the first place. And um, for me, I love seeing the hockey fights cancer stuff. Like personally to me, that's really important. And it was great to see players wearing those jerseys and knowing that like seeing that sort of visible support. We're both also huge supporters of pride events and the LGBTQ community. Um, yeah, they, you know, they are so marginalized and they are able, you know, this was a great source of just support for them. I, I don't even know. I, I don't it's even really, know yeah, I, it's really hard to talk about because it's actually kind of devastating to have that visual support taken away. And the NHL went so far as to say that players can't even use the rainbow pride tape on their sticks on ice. And I think it's totally cowardly and that the league bowed to a really tiny minority of players who didn't want to wear pride jerseys. And using pride tape was never mandatory. It was always optional. What's not to like about rainbows, people? Come on. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, not to make light of a pretty serious topic here, just we should, I just want to switch gears and talk about the Women's Professional Hockey League, which is um, coming soon. So we're super excited about that. But the PWHL quickly in, in their inception made a really strong statement on social media. Their Players Association wrote that the decision sets back years of progress, and we would agree. Yeah. And um, Brian Burke, who's was a longtime NHL executive and has been a longtime supporter of LGBTQ rights. He's head of the PWHL Players Association. And it was great that they put out that statement because the NHL's Players Association did not do that. No, and a lot of individual players in the NHL have spoken out against this um, change, including some of the biggest stars in the league. I mean, Connor McDavid said that he's expressed disappointment and Sidney Crosby has said that it's unfortunate. And here's where we say something nice about the Flyers. Scott Lawton, he's the team's alternate captain, said that he would use the pride tape on his team's pride night in January. Um, that's just really heartening to hear. So yeah, go Flyers. <laughs> go Flyers. Um, yeah. And okay, so just to make it a little bit less serious for a second here, on the note of the flyers, I was in Philly over the weekend and I bought a t-shirt that's in the stranger things font that has gritty on it. And it says <laughs> grittier things. And it's probably like my favorite thing that I've bought this year. So you will be seeing that in a lot of photos at games where I don't know the teams. Hopefully we get a picture of you in that shirt with gritty. Let's oh my manifest that. That's a little terrifying, Anar. I don't know that I need to meet Grady again. <laughs> yes, again. <laughs> I want to pivot a little bit. So since our podcast is about minorities playing hockey, um, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience growing up in Germany and playing hockey? Uh, were you, you know, were you a minority or is it pretty, like, is there a pretty oh, good definitely. mix of people? Okay. So t tell us about that. Yeah, was... Did you face any discrimination or... Was it hard? Of course. Of course, yeah. yes. 
Um, in the beginning, it was very hard. Um, like I was the big Turkish kid, and uh, a few coaches they just thought, yeah, this kid has doesn't have to to be in hockey, and this is not for the for the immigration kids. For the immigration kids, it's, it it was a hard time in the beginning. And uh, the Germany uh, we know, like fifty years ago, forty five years ago, was was a completely different Germany. Um, I was in, in like when I went to to high school, I was like. The school system in Germany is different. After the the primary school, you can choose if you go to a. It's called gymnasium, like it's a it's a higher level of school, or if you go to the like the middle level or the lower level. Like um, I I went to the high, highest level to a higher level, and uh, I was the only Turkish kid there, the only one. Okay, but you know there was a lot of Turkish uh, immigrants in in Germany. There still are, uh, but I was the only kid. Like Turkish kid in that school, and yeah, that that's a weird feeling, you know. Like for me, it wasn't. Like I felt home there. I was. It's my my. It was my town, my city. But uh, there were also some. I met some people that didn't feel make you feel like you're home. That also happened. In the sports, it was it was more in the beginning. Like there was a coach, and uh, he said, "Yeah." I heard I, my father told me I didn't hear it personally, but he told to another friend, "Why should I educate this kid? He's never never gonna play for uh, for hockey for real. He's a Turkish kid. He's not interested in hockey at all. Uh, he will not be interested in hockey at all because I've never seen any Turkish guys in hockey. So why not change it? Um, but uh, these are they were the higher I played, the higher I got. The less I had these, uh, I, uh, I the less I experienced these kind of things. So the higher I got, the, the it was the focus was more on the sports, on the playing the game and learning it. And like in the locker room, they you didn't really speak. There were the Germans got less in the in the locker room. The the German language got less, and you had to speak English, so you had to learn English. And and because you have to, you had to get along with your with your teammates. And the higher you got, the older uh, I got, the less problems I had in hockey. That's good to hear. I think yeah. um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but of course, there were there were some incidents. Definitely, def definitely incidents. Like uh, I don't want to speak too much about that. And uh, it's yeah, it's they were not nice. They were yeah. not nice. Um, but I still have problems to speak about about that, and and they still they still happen. Of course, they these incidents they still happen. They still happen in hockey, yeah. And but I don't want to take too much focus on on these kind of incidents because they are bad. Of course, we know that. Um, it's but but they're often they're like open, like active uh, racism, active. Um, I don't. I don't want to talk too much about that active things because it's obvious. It's obvious. Everybody sees that. Everybody knows it. Every everybody can can like today. I can deal with it. Is that why an organization like Hockey is Diversity is important? Like, what what is the importance of an organization like that? So, what Hockey is Diversity is doing is they are pulling us up in front. They're pulling us up and saying, "Hey, these guys, they are there." These, these people, they are here and they won't go away. They're just here, you know, so deal with them, deal with them and get used to, get used to seeing them in positions like uh, where you're actually not, uh, 
not comfortable. If you're not comfortable with it, it's your problem, okay? They're here and they're in that position and, and please everybody deal with it. So that's, that's what uh, hockey's diversity is actually is doing, okay? They're, they're trying to, to connect the people. They're trying to, to pull them in front and just they show them, hey, he's a, he's a hockey coach. Right? He's a Turkish guy. He's a hockey coach. He's been in hockey all his life. He's, a, he's not, I'm not a newcomer. I'm <laughs> like, uh, I've been in hockey all my life. All my friends are from hockey. All my, my connections, all, all the people I know. Like, it's the only thing we're, we're, what we talk about when we meet our friends is, is hockey in somehow, in some way, you know? So this is, I have very, very few fr- friends um, uh, which are not from hockey, actually. In some some way, they're related to hockey. In some way, they are. That, um, that's great. Can you talk about any programs that they have um, implemented that has made a little bit of a difference in the in the hockey culture there? The programs here in Germany, you mean? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, in- so the Hockey is Diversity uh, organization. Are there any specific programs that they've implemented? Yes, they have a lot of programs, like... Um, they have uh, programs uh, for for the kids, and also like uh, they have also they get some spaces in the in that future camp where they can choose some kids to go there, even if they are not from the DEL clubs, because only kids from the DEL club from the highest level they are allowed there. But there are also like uh, other kids which are not we they can't go there because they don't belong to a DEL club. Okay. So they would never have the chance to get there. So what they are doing is, is they're opening it for it and and giving these kids a chance to to take part. You know, also for girls, it's not only about not so, not only about boys. You know, it's also a big part is the the girls hockey in Germany. Yeah, in these camps, um, there are only few girls, only a few. But we have we have strong enough girls. But hey, if if there's a girl which can which can take part in the to the camp, they they, they the teams rather pick a boy, you know. So so what hockey is diversity is doing there, giving them the chance also to go there with that with that extra spots. And um, yeah, some people might say, yeah, this is a, a bigger benefit than the other kids get. But hey, if you sum it up, in the end, these kids still have the have the better have the worse at the the lower chances and lower opportunities in life. I think you're just giving exposure to kids that wouldn't otherwise know about it uh, in a lot of cases. Exactly, exactly. Okay, we we don't have to talk about the active racism or whatever you want to call it. Um, It's more about the passive things, you know. If they, um, like in in my home club, there was a, a kid, it was an Indian kid, Okay, his parents didn't speak any German. They had a restaurant, very hardworking people. Um, they always brought the kid to, to the practice, but, you know, they didn't know where to get the hockey stuff. Like, he had, like, equipment, which was, hey, man, what are you doing with this, you know? And uh, um, they had the money to buy it to him, okay, but they didn't just know where to get it. What kind of stuff should I get? What kind of stick? What kind of skates? Um, you have to work against that passiveness, okay? Uh, better is like to have a mentoring program. Like every kid who's new, he would he should have his, his own mentor from bigger age. Also, the parents have should have mentor parents from uh, older ages who can communicate with them and just tell them, hey, um, go to that practice and and go to that camp or buy this kind of stuff, do this. And so I think it it would be much easier, much better for the development of the kids. If if everybody like gets gets connected somewhere, 
I think that's a really good point. And we've talked to a few other guests on this show and a lot of them have said that the uh, barrier is not just cost or like exposure. It's, it's that people not knowing because they don't come from like a hockey legacy family or, you know, they, they just didn't grow up playing it or the parents didn't, the parents don't know how to help the kid advance. There was another kid. He was on my team actually. And um, someday I asked the parents, Hey, why, why isn't he, um, why isn't he coming to the practice or why didn't, didn't you sign up for the tournament? Yeah. And yeah, because I don't know how to get there. Oh. What do you mean? You don't know how to get there. Yeah. I, I'm working. My wife has to help me. Uh, so I, we have no chance uh, to take, uh, it was an Asian guy, um, an Asian kid. Uh, we have no chance to, to get into the tournament. So I said, hey, so connect to the other people, okay? Yeah, but we don't know the other parents. We're not, we're not confident with the, like asking them to take our kid and said, okay. So, so I talked to the parents, okay, listen, there was a, like a bunch of parents who were always around me, who was uh, like really involved in the team and, and who did everything for the kids, for every kid, okay? But they, they didn't realize the problem. So I said, hey, this kid, take him in the middle. Don't let him outside, okay? If he's not signing up for a tournament, ask him why he's not signing up, okay? And if he wants, if he, if their parents say they don't have a, uh, they don't have a chance to get him somewhere, just offer it to him. Offer it to him. Take take that kid with you in the car with the other kids. Or so what happened was they were they get they were getting involved, you know. They were they were also trying if the time was there, uh, if they had the time, they were trying to get involved in the club because the clubs in Germany, they're, they're different. They run different like in the American clubs. In America, they're, they're like the people expect a lot from the club, okay? Because they're paying a lot of money and they expect expect a lot of, of from the club. In Germany, it's different. The club is for every for everybody, okay? For every kid. doesn't matter uh, his ethnicity, his race or his language. It's, it's like it's a very big thing. The clubs in Germany are very big thing. They're living it. They're naturally living, literally living it. So uh, the club life is different. You have to get involved. Okay, you have to you have to take uh, you have to take the options the, the club gives to you. Okay, if they ask, hey, we need somebody who has uh, who can sell pretzels on, on this and this event. Okay, the parents have to sign up. Okay, so they get they get to know the other parents and they get to they're getting involved in this kind of business. So that's how you meet the people. That's how you get connected to the people. But these people, it's not that they don't want it. They don't know how to how it works. They don't they don't have this club culture like in Germany. So I think a big point is just to teach them how these clubs work, how these how you get connected to people in Germany. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah that's you're building such a great a, point. You're building a community inadvertently, right? Like just getting yeah. parents to know each other and getting them involved like that. That's really great. I think it's gonna just strengthen the power of the clubs. You really nailed it there, Minashi. We've seen this in the Fort DuPont Cannons, the Baltimore Banners, and the Tucker Road Ducks. It's about more than hockey. It's about making connections. On our next episode, Coach Michael Hutton shares his remarkable tale of perseverance and how he's impacting hockey now. Thanks for spending an entire hockey period with us. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen. Subscribe to the Minority League podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and on iHeartRadio. Visit us on theminorityleague.com 
Follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and Instagram at TMLpod. This episode was edited by Joe Alvaro, produced by Anar Virji and Manashi Mukherjee.